From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Wednesday, July 31st. July is over, folks. Wow. July 31st, 2019. This is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. This is the weekly spot where Danny Flecka usually appears. He's not around, so he called in his friend, Catherine Magnoli, to come back on Teeing It Up. Welcome back, Catherine. Thank you very much for having me. I'm happy to be here. It is my pleasure to have you here. Um, So we last talked in the aftermath of you completing the Boston Marathon, a huge achievement in many ways. But now we're three-plus months removed. Um, Mm -hmm. What does the word running mean to you now? (laughs) So it still holds a very nice place in my heart. I would say I've still been trying to get out there and run um, two or three times a week before work or on the weekend. Um, But lately it's been so difficult in the heat. Honestly, Jeremy, I have decided that I miss bundling up for my runs, and I just, it's so much harder when it's hot out, which I really didn't expect. Interesting. Like, I miss layering up and putting my neck warmer on and wearing a hat and gloves. I would prefer that to running in what it is right now. So you want the cold back? I do. I don't want ice. Like, I don't want to be afraid of falling, but I would definitely take the very, very low temperature over the heat and humidity that we've had. I just think it feels so much harder. Um, as you think back now to the marathon, um, what sticks out to you? What, what's that memory from Marathon Monday that, that, that sticks out three-plus months later? So honestly, it's just, so many of my friends and family coming out to support me really through the whole process but even on that day I had friends at multiple different stops on the course my parents were there to see me and really just how much people came together and supported me was like I have goosebumps talking about it right now still was just amazing we're talking we're we're talking with Catherine Magnoli here on on uh, teeing it up so when you achieve something that you had never done, you were not a runner, as those who listened to the previous podcast know, she was not a runner. Um, she took this on for Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, the amazing organization in Boston. Um, and you achieve this amazing goal, right, which is to, to finish this marathon. And you said you're running two to three times a week now. Is running habitual now for you? Is that where the motivation has gone? Or how long did it take to get back into this routine? And how much is fitness versus pure running because you now like to run? Um, I'm trying to keep it habitual. I'm trying to... So when I run before work, if I do it a couple days a week, I usually, I have a loop near where I live. It's about six and a half miles. It takes me about an hour, and I can comfortably do that before work, shower, get changed, and get to work on time. So I'm trying to maintain a certain level of fitness without going overboard or having it take over my life, if that makes sense. I've been thinking, you know, kind of looking at my schedule, talking to some of my friends that I made, 
running, maybe training for a half sometime in the fall if I thought I could find one that works with my schedule, just something to kind of keep me in shape, but but not something that takes over your life like the marathon did. Yeah, and that actually led into my next question. So uh, we are on the same page, which is always good. Um, so I know with like the New York City Marathon, I, I believe it's the case that if you finish, you automatically get in for the next year. So is this a situation where you now have that golden ticket into Boston if you want it next year? Or do you still have to go back through the process of finding a team and a charity and and having that lottery pick go your way or whatever the system is? Um, so you definitely don't have the golden ticket. Um, I actually got an email recently. So because I met and exceeded the fundraising goal for my team, um, I ended up raising over $13,000. Good for I you. got an email last week from the Dana-Farber team saying, hey, you did such a great job with your fundraising. We wanted to check in to see what your plans were for 2020. Let us know when you get a chance. We'd mm. love to have you back. Um, but but you'd have to, I, so they didn't say this, but I would have to raise the money again. Mm. So it's not just like you do it once and you're good. You you got to keep it up. So are you inclined right now to say yes to running a marathon ever again, uh, whether it's Boston or another city? Or are you um, totally in the mindset of I'm done with marathons for now. We'll deal with that later on down the road. So I responded with thank you very much. The experience was amazing, and I will um, be back in touch soon. And I kind of left it non, non-committally. Right. It's interesting because for some, that, that rush becomes intoxicating. Like, oh my God, I did this. I want to do it again. And for some, it's like, that's my crowning achievement. Never doing it again. That was torture. No, thank you. It, it's it's just it's just funny how some so many people can have two very different reactions. Some are trying to run every major marathon in the world, and some are like, "Nope, that's it. I'm out." Right, and I'm I'm definitely not trying to run every major marathon in the world. I'm not sure what my next move is. Okay, so that now brings me to this, which is you were recently traveling overseas, and because running has become an, a, a an habitual part of your life. Was there any temptation to be like, hmm, maybe I should run on my vacation? Or was this like a vacation from everything? Um, so I was in Italy, and they drive so crazily over there, and the roads are so small, and then you have to deal with the Vespas that I would never run on those roads because I would be so afraid of getting hit by a car. Or, like, accidentally falling off a cliff. Um, so the people that I did see running, because it is funny, now when I go places, I notice, you know, are there a lot of people on the streets running? Does it seem like to be a fit city and things like that? Because Boston has a lot of people running all the time. Um, I, so I pay attention to those things now, but I, I would never, I would be so afraid of getting hit by a car. That's crazy. That's 
It, it is. And you didn't, I saw, I noticed when I saw people, but I didn't see a lot of runners. Plus, it was really, really hot when I was there. Mm. It's it's one of those things where like you, I would think your body's telling you you need to go on a fitness run today, and your mind's like, wait a second, this is just not the right situation. There's no way I'm doing this. You know, and I actually I do I do think like that sometimes. Like, oh my gosh, Catherine, like you should be going for a run, and then I'm like, no, it's 95 degrees out and really humid. Maybe. Maybe you should not. Yeah, I totally un- I totally understand where you're coming from on that. Um, finding the right uh, situation and, and setup there um, is absolutely vital. We're talking with Catherine Magnoli, Boston Marathon finisher, here in Danny Flecka's weekly spot. He's not available. She is, so we called up Catherine. Um, it's funny when you, for example, and, and you had just gotten home, so you probably didn't see this, but the USA Outdoor Track and Field Championship for this weekend. When you see a marathon on TV, when you see track and field on TV, do you stop now and, 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 and are more interested? Or is this something where when you're not in that running before work mode, you want to get away from it? running just because the elite athletes are so elite I think oh my gosh how can you run that many miles that fast and then I even think you know watching something in traffic field the sprint uh, sorry track and field the sprinters I mean how can anyone be going that fast so it really it does fascinate me you know here's something interesting and and I didn't tell you we I was going to ask you this but I, I find this 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 question fascinating Nike as you may know has had these kind of on purpose attempts to have the first ever two uh, under two hour marathon and it, it hasn't happened yet but they've been trying ways to figure out how to get this set as somebody who's now run a marathon do you ever think somebody will run a marathon in, in under two hours you know what the record is now i don't off the top of my head it's like 207 or something 208 something like that Never say never, right? If you shave a couple, if you have 26.2 miles to go and you shave a couple seconds off each mile, you know what I mean? Why, why not? But I don't know. It, it, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, just, just thinking that you could run 26.2 miles in under two hours is just a mind boggling thought. Um, we're talking. Uh, we're talking to Catherine Magnoli here on on teeing it up. When you travel now, whether it's overseas, whether it's in the U.S., do you ever like you know whenever you're next in, let's say New York, or you're driving through, you know D.C. or or flying to Chicago for vacation or pleasure or whatever? Do you think, hmm, I wonder. If there's a running route available for me here, if I want to get a run in besides the hotel treadmill, um, it, you know, is, is there something, it, you know, maybe is there some kind of marathon or half marathon here in this city that I'd like to run and, and kind of make it a traveling thing? Like, has it changed how you look at where you travel at all? So I did, I had to do a little bit of travel 
traveling while I was training. Um, one trip in particular, I went to, um, I had to go to Washington, D.C. for work while I was training. So it does kind of connect you to different people. So you kind of put it out there, you know, who used to live in D.C.? Hey, did you used to run? What's a good route? And people would say, oh, you know, look up the uh, Marine Corps Marathon route and you can run around the monuments or you could do all these things or run by the water or... You know, when I've, um, I was at a conference um, in Cape Cod recently, and, oh, well, you have to try running on this bike path and things like that. So there really is a community out there where people do give you um, great advice, and it's a great way to see where you're at. Talking to Catherine Magnolia here on Teeing It Up. You've got an active group of friends. Is there an urge now to say, hey, Danny, let's run or hey, let's do this socially, whether it's even just, you know, running two miles around the block or whatever? Like, is there any has has running now entered your social conscience, so to speak? So I would say that fitness definitely has. So to give you an example, um, I live in Boston, as you know, and for most of the year, Boston is pretty chilly and can't spend too much time outside. Um, but in the summer, everywhere you look, every green space there is, what it, whether it be a park, whether it be some sort of square, there's an outdoor fitness class going on. Mm-hmm. So on Mondays, you could go to one neighborhood and do boot camp. And then on Sunday mornings, there's a, a yoga in the park right down the street from me. And I try to take advantage of it because, number one, it's outside and it's great. Number two, it's free, whereas, you know, in the winter, if you were paying for one of these classes in a studio, you might be paying $20, $25, $30, Um, and that is a really good way to catch up with my friends and say, oh, I'm going to go to boot camp on Monday. Do you want to meet me there? And things like that. So definitely, um, I would say... This experience has taught me that you can use fitness as a way to, to connect with people and to catch up with your friends. You know what I mean? Because how many times can you go out for drinks? How many times? You know, it's just a healthier way to, to socialize. No, it is a healthier way to socialize. And to your point about how many times can you go out for drinks, I think that's where a lot of, of young people, this is way off topic, but I think that's, that's where a lot of young people get in trouble is because it's always dinners and drinks with friends, with significant others they're trying to meet etc and it's i think you run into that trap of drinking on multiple nights a week and you're having that you know you know the one too many extra glasses of wine at night and then you are not feeling well at work the next day and it just kind of of excuse me spirals the wrong direction whereas every study that's ever been done on on fitness says it has positive effects for your mind and personal and, and professional life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talking to Catherine Magnoli here on Teeing It Up. Um, all right. So you went on this trip um, uh, that uh, you were very excited about. I know from having talked to you off air. Um, any observations, any any thoughts you want to tell the proud Teeing It Up listeners about your travels? Anything that Anything that you saw that's like, oh, my God, I can't believe blank just happened? 
Um, well, a piece of luggage was lost, then found, so that's okay, but that had never happened to me. Um, I, so I went to, so that was stressful, but it ended up working out. Um, I went to Italy, which I spent a semester in Italy when I was in college, um, but it was great to be back. And then um, after Italy, I went to Portugal, and Portugal was lovely. I really would like to go back there. It's interesting when you lose a piece of luggage, I've always found, because your mind panics, first of all, and second of all, it's like, wait a second. We're in the 21st century. It's 2019. How are airlines still losing people's luggage? How can this be so hard? It boggles my mind, Catherine. Oh, trust me, Jeremy. I feel the same way. And and the thing that gets oh 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 sorry, go ahead. I I uh, cut you off. No, I feel the same way. Yeah. And the thing that boggles my mind too is I'm sure your airline gave you. Either the, the tag or the barcode or some kind of, of of tag for your luggage, which is basically, if you think about it from a business perspective, an accountability sticker. It's them saying, this is your bag. This is the code for it. Certain, certain airlines allow you to see every time your bag has been scanned by somebody. So for some, it's totally transparent. And... Here you are trying to, you know, get your luggage and baggage claim, simple concept. And they're telling you this is the way to track it so that if it if something does go wrong, we can find it. Um, and then it still happens. You would think that when you start giving people that transparent level of tracking, these issues would have gone away because people's jobs are on the line. But nope. Nope. You're right. You're right. It is crazy. It is just crazy. Now, you missed, when you guys were away, you missed a brutal heat wave on the East Coast, where in New York it was heat index 110, worse down south. What was the weather overseas? Did you get any break from what has been a hot stretch of the summer in, in, in Boston and up and down the East Coast? Um. Italy was very hot. They do everything in Celsius there, so I can't tell you the exact temperature <laughs> because I was never able to convert it. I just knew it was hot. But Portugal was very pleasant. Um, I was in Lisbon, and the weather there was very, very nice. Great breezes. Um, wore, had to put on a jacket at night, so super comfortable. And it rained. It sprinkled the first day that I arrived in Italy and then as the cab was picking me up to take me to the airport in Portugal it rained the last day but other than that really lucked out with the weather isn't some rain on vacation almost good sometimes sometimes you need a little bit of a break yeah from the sun no you do um it poured on me in Aruba last year for five minutes and I'm like thank you because Aruba, as you may know, is known for being very hot, very humid, and very windy. It was heat index 94 during the day and 88 at night. You got no break. Wow. And when it poured, it was like, ah, thank you. <laughs> it was only five minutes, but thank you. That was yeah. that, that was very good. Any other observations from your travels? Um, I think that 
international travel is stressful. Being in an airport is stressful. <laughs> I the whole customs process and and immigration and all that it's just a it's just it, it's like you're on this high especially on the way back i'm not sure if you had this feeling Catherine, but like you're on this high of a great vacation you're coming home and then you have to go through like eight hoops just to get back to the airport yeah. and get your damn luggage yeah. and go home yeah it is bizarre to say the least and Aruba was even weirder. It takes nine steps to get to the gate in Aruba. Yeah, yeah. I had leaving Portugal. You had your passport checked multiple times in different different places. So yes, and if you don't sign those forms correctly, they'll pull you over and try to figure out what what duty free thing you're trying to bring or whatever the case may be. I mean, that whole process of claiming what you're bringing back is. Is a whole no. is, is a whole thing in itself. Um, before we get to the last thing, one thing that I, I, I meant to bring up before about running that I think a lot of people may not realize: ideal running weather. Now that you've trained in the winter and you've run in summer, I think a lot of people see like fifty-two for the New York City Marathon. And they'd say, "Isn't that chilly?" Well, it may be chilly if you're a spectator, but as a runner. And, and now having trained in all seasons, what is your, sorry, having run in all seasons, what is your like ideal weather now? So I would say that it would probably be, um, I've heard to dress, and I'm somebody that tends to be cold, so I've heard you should dress for 20 degrees warmer than it actually is. So I think between... 45 and 55 and and not super cloudy but not blazing sun is the perfect the perfect temperature i have these really cool running sunglasses that i like to wear so i do like it to be a little sunny out i hate that is for the folks out there that's why you always hear perfect marathon weather is in that range because you just work up so much heat in, in your running, so that makes complete sense. We're talking to Catherine Magnoli, Boston Marathon finisher. Doesn't that just sound good when I say that? It does. <laughs> Where did you put your medal? Uh, my medal is hanging up, and um, I also I have a little – I'm moving soon, but I have a little – the marathon things to uh, to bring to my new place. I ha- I got my bib framed, and I also was able to get my hands on um, so all the like light posts in Boston. Um, throughout the year, they have they have different kind of like flags on them or like banners, I would say. So when the marathon's on, they say 2019 Boston Marathon, or when it's you know near Fourth of July, they advertise the fireworks spectacular. I was able to get my hands on one of the ones um, from the marathon, so I'll be looking forward to hanging that up somewhere uh, in my new apartment. That is cool. That is really cool. Good for you for for, for obtaining those. Those have to be hot um, hot commodities. Yep. Yes, they are. Is there anything else we have left out of this podcast so far? Anything else on your mind? 
So, so just one quick thing. Um, the 2019 Boston Marathon was a record-breaking year in terms of fundraising for charities. Um, and this, this just came out at the beginning of July when they calculated everything. So 2019, um, nonprofits raised $38.7 million, um, which was $2 million more than 2018. And it was even more than um, charities raised the year after the bombing. So it was a record-breaking year, um, which is really cool. That's awesome. Good for you and good for everybody uh, to get in on that cause that way. That is awesome. Um, that and I think it, I think the fact that it was higher than 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 the post bombing year speaks volumes because I know, I mean I even know people who wanted to run Boston purely because of what it meant that you know three hundred sixty five days later. So for for it to surpass to surpass that I think shows the level of support Boston now has separate from any sentimental cause. Just the fact that people want to donate, want to support the runners, and runners want to run in it. Absolutely. And it, the money went to um, 297 different charities. And Dana-Farber was the team that raised the most. We raised over $6 million. Look at that. So do you guys get a banquet now or something? What happens now that you're number one? Do you win an award or something? Um, I think that there is... So they had a little reception for the top fundraisers that I went to back in June. Um, That's exciting. Where you got to hear about uh, where some of the money goes, um, which is, was really cool. It was all very scientific and a little bit above my head, but I tried to uh, understand as best as I could. <laughs> and um, I've heard that there's a presentation of a big check in September, so stay tuned for that. Uh, maybe that'll be your next appearance on Teeing It Up. It might be. Um, anything else before we say uh, adios? That is all. Catherine Magnoli, thank you for coming back on Teeing It Up, and thank you for filling in for Danny Flecka. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You got it. Danny's back next week. Thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. We will see you next time. <laughs>